Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that the Holy Spirit resides in you and that you have received it from God and that you were bought with a price and that you are no longer your own? Yes, I know all of those things. I've heard. And so maybe you too know that God the Father has created your body and that God the Son has redeemed it and that God the Holy Spirit dwells within it. So why, oh why, is it so difficult to behave and think and speak and treat our bodies like the shrine that they are when the Holy Spirit lives there? I don't know about you guys, but I have developed a love-hate relationship with fitness, a love-love relationship with the gym where I work out, and an inconsequential relationship with my 15-pound swing, which I am currently at the top of and don't even care because I don't model swimsuits for a living. But it has taken almost 40 years to be able to see it all clearly, and I'm still learning so much about how my body is a gift. When kids lined up to race in grade school, I'm not going to lie, I usually came in first. I was fast. And I was strong. And I had a love for being outside, and I grabbed any opportunity to transcend a lazy heart. Being active as a young person, it made me feel boundless. When I remember being young, I remember being powerful. But that glory didn't last very long because in PE class, where things got more organized, if I ever had a ball in my hand, I became a bit of a spectacle. Any strength or speed I found at recess or on field day, it never really translated to anything competitive. I wasn't an athlete, I told myself. In my turn at the plate for kickball, it made my stomach cramp with fear. But I could be left for days to hold that chin-up pose the coaches like to time. And shooting a basket, it was sure to get some laughs, but it was nothing for me to back handspring across the length of a court. I was picked dead last to be on softball teams, but I was picked very first for tug-of-war. And as I matured, I think I did what a lot of people do, and I focused on what wasn't instead of what was, and I insisted that I was not an athlete. I read once that the only difference between a person who calls themselves an artist versus the person who doesn't is audacity. In other words, we are all artists, born with a soul, born to create So shouldn't this apply to athleticism also? Aren't we all athletes? Born with a body? Born to move? Because if our bodies weren't made to move and to work and to serve, then what were they made to do? I can't remember back with enough clarity to know what age that it happened, but movement, it was no longer called play, and it started being called exercise instead. And I'm not sure when we started becoming aware of how well we played or how efficiently we ran, but whenever that shift happened, it was probably when the name change happened for me. Athlete, non-athlete, lifelong mover, lifelong complainer. I unabashedly placed myself into the latter categories of non-athlete and lifelong complainer, and I lost any desire to try to do what I told myself I was bad at. As I grew older and I longed to look a certain way, I found myself not just unwilling to do the work, but I told myself I was unable. Because as Anne Rand says, the fear to face an issue is to admit that the worst is true. And the worst was becoming true. Power. It wasn't about being strong anymore. Power was about something different. It was about being pretty. In moving and exercise and fitness, it could be boiled down to one thing and one thing only, which was my vanity. 
And so any exertion that I insisted upon was solely about losing weight. And losing weight was solely about being attractive. It meant fitting into the jeans that I liked. It was my only motivation. And there was nothing playful about the torture that I would put myself through to appear the ways that I thought I should. I am not a runner. And it was running. It seemed like one of the only things that I could do in private so that no one else had to see this non-athlete trying to get skinny because that's what it was all about, right? So I could pick the treadmill in the corner. I could pick the desolate neighborhood or the barren park. And I did just that. But I'm going to say it again. I was not a runner. But I was a runner observer. And I've noticed the way that runners, those very capable runners, after they've exhausted their lungs, they'll, they'll place their hands on top of their heads, you know what I mean? And they'll walk around with this kind of wide-legged, loose-hipped walk, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't be completely certain, certain what the function is, what, what that's serving, I don't know, is it opening up the lungs, is it relieving a cramp, is it celebratory in nature, I can't know. But anytime I would, I would, I would see a neighbor when I was out on one of my runs, I would assume this position, <laughs> hands on my head, deep breaths, exhausted face, rubbery legs. Because it would, of course, imply that the only reason I was walking was because, you know, I had just really exerted myself. When the truth was, I had just walked the last six blocks after running the last two. So, right, I hated to run. And without any confidence in my athleticism, finding a way to be active so that I could get skinny, so that I could be pretty, it seemed impossible. It was desperation that led me to boot camp. Three years ago, I found myself in the lobby of a gym, mostly because they had free childcare, and I just had my fourth baby in as many years, and I needed a second to stand by myself without a baby tucked between my legs or hoisted on my hip or connected like a barnacle to my breast. With a little more ambition than was wise, I, I walked to the large room where boot camp was held, and, and I committed to staying the full hour when I was met with friendly smiles from women who looked just as relieved to be alone for one hot second as I was. And when I expressed my apprehension, they assured me that all would be well. They were mostly right. And when I told them that I wasn't really an athlete, they assured me that I could go at my own pace. I mostly listened. And then they cheered me on as I, for the first time in my life, did things I didn't know I could do. With a sopping wet shirt and a face streaked with mascara, the first day after it was over, I called, crawled across the hall and I, I laid down on this filthy black rubbery floor of the cycling room that people poured sweat onto each day. It wasn't ideal, but it was either that or barf in public, and I hadn't done that in a while. So I, I laid there, teaching myself how to breathe again, caring zero if someone walked in. It's funny how desperation can make you brave, but that was exactly how I felt. Brave. If Bryan College Station has a skill for community, I've heard the city likened to a garden. This group of committed athletes had a talent. When I missed a class, they wanted to know why. When I ruptured a disc, they babysat my kids. When my husband's dad unexpectedly passed away, they fed my family. And each day, day after day, we pushed and we yelled and we strained and we lifted and we laughed at how there was simply no way to bear crawl and look distinguished at the same time. And we smiled knowingly when we ran to the bathroom in the middle of jump ropes, you know what I mean? And we yelled across the room in solidarity that our sports bras were crap. In and out of the gym, we communed our bonds thick with telling the truth when it hurt and encouraging each other to finish no matter what. And when I look back at the strength of our connection, I would scratch my head over the short amount of time that we knew each other, and I couldn't explain it except to say that there must be something to struggling, struggling alongside someone else. The highs, the lows, the intensities, the rests, the catch your breath now. Here we go again. You've got this. Keep going. Harder. Faster. There will be a break soon, but right now, work. And then the release of a job well done. Rest. Peace after turmoil. Celebration after pain. Glory after struggle. And after it was all done, and after the equipment had been put away, and our heart rates had returned to normal, we would gather together, and we would put our hands in a pile, and we would celebrate hard work. Hard work that was finished. It is finished. And do you know what it was like? When I would go to my car, and when I would get on with the rest of my day, it felt like I had lived this whole life in this very short amount of time. And every single one of us understood that something bigger than boot camp was happening in that hour. 
It was true that I had never considered myself an athlete, but day after day, week after week, something was shifting. And it was more important than just my physical body. I was remembering something. I joined the gym and this group of people because I wanted some alone time. I wanted to lose babies for an hour and baby weight for good, but something else was evolving and it was far deeper than losing weight. It was so much more important than feeling pretty. I was remembering something. My body was expelling something that my soul knew was important and it was the idea that movement and exertion and fitness and health, it wasn't about how I looked. My creative soul was connected to this flesh and blood body and I simply couldn't separate the two any longer. Pushing my lazy heart was transporting me in spiritual ways. I was covered in sweat and I was discovering what I was made of. I was pushing my body to an extreme and I was becoming more fit for my journey, my spiritual journey. Physical activity was reminding me of my race that was set before me and the goodness in it. And the sweetness of that pursuit was causing me to remember something I already knew, something I was born knowing but had trained myself to forget. I was powerful. I was still a bit of a spectacle if you put a ball in my hands. Wall balls are my nemesis. But I was built for speed and strength. I was. And it was my strong body that was the best host for my soul. My gym, Empower Fitness, it has become a second home for me. And the people there, a second family. They've helped me discover what I'm made of. I used to be afraid to find out what I was made of. But I'm not anymore because even if I don't like what I find, I can transform it. Why? Because I'm powerful. So I go to boot camp and I lift and I strain and I sweat. And I teach yoga where we create space to listen and we cultivate calm to carry us through. And we push our bodies to the furthest edge and we all together chase our spiritual opportunities. And I walk out of the doors at Empower Fitness and my mind and my body and my spirit are finally attuned to the work before me, whatever it is that God has for me that day. And I'm simply the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. There are many reasons for this, but very high on the list is the community at Empower Fitness and how they've helped me remember that I am powerful. So, do I know that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes. I do know that. And do I know that it is the Holy Spirit that dwells within me? Yes, I know that too. And that I've received it from God? Yes, I know. And I was bought with a price? I've heard that too. And that I am not my own? Indeed. Lord, I am all yours. From the book of Isaiah, the wilderness and dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a rose. This is my friend Morgan. We've been friends for two years. She is a searing truth teller, has poreless skin, and is very fast at burpees. In her presence, there is only gladness, rejoicing, and blossoming. Hi, Morgan. <laughs> um, we are sitting in Morgan's brand new baby's nursery, and I mm, kind of want to feel like I want to take a nap. <laughs> this is so gorgeous and dreamy. Um, so we are here to talk about food and exercise, but I want to tell the world why I love you so much first. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into a, a pretty good habit of going to the gym pretty regularly, not to mention my part-time job is there. And there was this, it was easy for me, it was fun for me to pretend that you were 20 (laughs) while you kicked my butt in boot camp. (laughs) And then we started talking afterwards and I sadly realized, no, she's not 20. Mm. She's just really, really fit and great and wonderful. (laughs) So so we worked out together, that's how we met. And I just want to tell you that my favorite thing about you is that I immediately felt understood by you, and it is absolutely my love language. I love um, 
feeling like I don't have to explain things that make me feel isolated in the world and that I can put things out there and to have um, such a kind receptor. And that is you. That is way too kind, <laughs> first of all. But no, I, uh, I, I appreciate that. Every, every person that I meet, interact with, that, you know, I hope that I, when I lock eyes with them, that they see, you know, they can find peace with me because mm-hmm. I, you know, I want, I want them to see that I see them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what makes you, you is awesome. Yeah, what? You know, you're so good at that because I did not feel like anything, because we've gotten into some details, and I did not feel like anything that I would have to say would shock you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, okay, so... Hold on. I want to say what I love about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> People do have to tell me to be quiet from no. time to time. Oh, me too. This could be a problem. <laughs> for both, because... Of- no, no one's here to like turn, tell us. Okay, stop. Yeah, stop <laughs> but talking. what I love about you is that you are one of the most passionate people mm-hmm. I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I've been, I, I think just having you know gone through things that we've gone through as a family recently, and you know bringing a new baby home, mm-hmm. um, you have been one of the people who. I mean, you text me almost every day. <laughs> And no, it just, you, you, you were passionate about your friends, which is a a huge reason why you started this, but you're Mm -hmm. passionate about the things that you love so much in your life and that you believe in. Mm. And, um, that inspires me to want to be better Mm. at those things, even in hard seasons. So Mm. I would say that while this season is beautiful in Mm -hmm. my life, it's a harder season because Mm -hmm. there's growth, there's, you know, we've, we've gone through some trials and testing, um, all for a good reason, but... Um, you know, I, you, you just make me want to grow in the areas of my friendship. And so you challenge me mm-hmm. in that right, lovingly, and probably had no idea that you do that. Yeah. But, um, because you're so passionate about those things in life, you make me want to do the mm-hmm. same. Thank you, Morgan. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so... Like I said, we we work out together, and you know boot camp. I, I've said this many times, but um, boot camp isn't just boot camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's something about struggling mm-hmm. alongside one another mm-hmm. that there's a pretty quick intimacy, and that happened with you and I for sure. And because of the nature of our surroundings, and we are you know working to be healthy, I. I felt one day like I could just share a struggle with you. Mm-hmm. And um, and I told you that, you know, I felt like I had gotten this activity thing under control. Mm-hmm. And it was because I liked I liked boot mm-hmm. camp. I didn't it wasn't anything I had to force myself to do. Um, I enjoyed the community. I enjoyed the the that way of working out where it was you know, you work hard for a certain amount of time, but you know a break's coming. That mm-hmm. that really worked for me in my in the way that I'm wired versus going for a six mile run yeah. makes me mm-hmm. want to eat glass first. Right. Um, so all that to say, the activity thing was working for me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had a handle on that part of my life, but when we think about our whole body. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this other half, which was the kitchen. Like I had the gym mastered, but now the kitchen. And, and so I just was having trouble with food Mm -hmm. and nobody takes me seriously when I say that because number one, I'm a, I'm a naturally thin Mm -hmm. person because of genetics. Mm -hmm. And number two, I have technically never harmed my body I've you know you know the stereotypical bulimia or Mm -hmm. anorexia like I've I've never done that and so I feel like my concerns about how often I I think about food or how it seems to just a lack of control that I have um you know I feel like it's kind of brushed under the rug but as I've started to concentrate more and more um on this whole body wellness this what true health means, um, it's just, it, it came more to my attention. And so, and I wanted to share that with you. I don't, I really felt even probably pulled Mm -hmm. to share that with you and you, um, were so receptive and kind. And then as it turned out, you had a story of your own. So, um, 
you know, I mentioned the word holiness surrounding it. And I think that a lot of times when we think of holiness, we think of like drudgery. Mm -hmm. The holiness is drudgery. Mm -hmm. It's kind of this boring (laughs) um, thing that we're forced into. Um, And really there's a relief. What I was after was I want relief. I don't want to think about this as much as I'm thinking about it. I know that it's not right. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Exactly. That's exactly it. It feels exhausting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Is this, um, maybe this is a good place to start. When did you first notice your thoughts about food and or your body image, like having conscious thoughts about that? Or were you ever able to put your finger on a way that those thoughts started to get away from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was um, a freshman in college. You know, in high school, I, you know, I, I exercised because I was on the dance team, you know, here and there. But um, I wasn't like an avid dancer. I just, I participated. But, you know, I still exercised. And, you know, my mom, she cooked growing up, but I was never, like, fit. I was never super thin. I think I've, I have always, always been aware, ever since I can remember fifth grade is when I think, you know, bullying takes place, mm-hmm. you know. And, 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 and most people are, you know, picked on for whatever reason. But that that's really when um, it set in that, you know, I wanted to look different. Than, you know, or more so like my friends. But freshman year in college is really when a lot of it started because um, I I had a friend who said, you need to go see this doctor, you know, who I go to. And she told me that he prescribed diet pills and all of that. And at the time I was not working out, you know, I but a quick fix. I was desperate. I was so mm-hmm. desperate mm-hmm. Um, because I hated myself. Mm-hmm. I did. So self-worth was just not... I was empty. I was so empty in my relationship with the Lord. I've always been a believer, but um, up until, you know, the recent years of my life, I've never really been a follower. And back then I wasn't following. I mean, I had a relationship, but it was me first, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for that quick fix to lose the weight. And so um, fast forward, I, I went to see this doctor, um, got on medication um, for weight loss, which I'm not proud of it but it's a part of my story and it did give me relief it Mm -hmm. did help me lose weight but it it that's when my story began really Mm -hmm. um I did exercise while on it but um I kind of stopped eating while I was on the medication because it, it 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 was this perpetual cycle of okay you know you you receive compliments or notice not even a compliment it's just people notice you and I felt seen Mm -hmm. for the first time for the wrong reasons um at that point in my life all throughout college and so I missed out on so many relationships opportunities where I look back now the Lord was calling me he was in my face putting people in my life um to pull me out of this pit that I didn't really know I was in or I was I was choosing to be in because I looking back I was unhappy I was depressed I was finding solace in all the wrong things and it was all temporary you know because it was that quick fix and so with exercise where that became unhealthy um I would eat something and I would I would binge at that point I never threw up but I was I was anorexic so I would go for a period of time where I wouldn't eat a lot and then when I did eat something I would immediately figure out how many calories was that okay we're gonna go run it off or we're gonna go exercise whatever and it was this obsessive behavior that it it was with me um I don't think I, I actually I know I I did not receive freedom from that probably until two or three years ago Mm -hmm. and there's a story in that too Mm -hmm. which we we will get to later but um so I mean it was a battle of probably eight to nine years Mm -hmm. you know you hear that all the time and you because the control factor Mm -hmm. and because you hear it so often I feel like it kind of loses any meaning for me um, but when I started to, to focus on, on this for myself, um, as a pursuit of holiness, mm-hmm. um, I, I was recognizing that there, it, there absolutely is a control factor. Yeah. And what I was noticing is that I might have control over this thing, mm-hmm. um, 
for half a day and then lose it at night. Mm -hmm. Or I might have control over this thing for a month mm -hmm. and then lose it for another mm -hmm. month. But regardless of what that scope or that span was, it was about control. Right. I, I could manage. Mm -hmm. This was, this became something to manage. And so, so for me, part of, um, having a healthy control versus an obsessive control mm -hmm. is, um, understanding the things that lie beneath it, because right. isn't there always something mm -hmm. deeper underneath it? So a big part of that for me was kind of identifying some triggers. Right. Um, one of my triggers is an anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert by nature. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm in a social situation, that is an easy go-to for mm -hmm. me. I can do great at home, um, taking care of this temple <laughs> of yeah. the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. I can do great left to my own devices. When I'm around others, mm -hmm. I need a crutch mm -hmm. and brownies are a mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. crutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So social situations, yeah. do you have, do you have things that you know are going to get you every time? Um, I think, you know, as I've, I think, like I said, mentioned, I mentioned freedom earlier, you know, it, I'm much more aware of those things and mm -hmm. I've developed tools to kind of help me, um, exactly, yeah. you know, stay, I don't want to say stay away because I mean, they're, they're, they're present. They face me every day, but, um, I think really for me, it was understanding where my worth came from because deep down, like the root of the root, um, it from it's just understanding my worth from a godly perspective and not the worldly perspective mm -hmm. and that's what I was searching for for years mm -hmm. is validation mm -hmm. but you know I and I didn't love myself mm -hmm. and so that's where a lot of the tidying up you know has taken place and so now with triggers I have a more healthy mindset in looking at the world. I have it's almost like I have a different set of eyes yeah. now that I don't have I'm not in bondage to this thing mm -hmm. anymore. I'm not in bondage to um, the voices in my head that say, okay, you need a rigid plan. You need a rigid yeah, eating plan. You yeah. need a rigid workout schedule because that's mm -hmm. what I was devoted to. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, four years ago, I, you know, my eating disorder behaviors transcended into exercise obsession mm -hmm. and put me into uh, stage four adrenal fatigue, oh which has gosh. its own. And so, you know, you just move these behaviors around, which all have the yes. same yes. root. Um, and so once I, had my the the you know the the curtain you know pulled back mm -hmm. and I got had the aha moment with God mm -hmm. where he literally took me out and looked me in the face and said no you need to be still mm -hmm. that's when I started seeing triggers differently mm -hmm. and and telling myself it is not worth it and triggers can be you know a gym atmosphere being so motivated um because I'm I'm a pretty um I don't want to say intense person, but I like to be pushed. Yeah. I like, I love working out mm -hmm. now for the reasons of, um, I love that feeling. I want to take care of my body and it's not anymore about vanity. It's not anymore mm -hmm. about how many calories did I burn today? Mm -hmm. Um, or sending this message to others mm -hmm. about why well, I am a fit person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm released from all of that. Right. Right. So I don't, yeah. I, so, and isn't, I think it's fascinating how complex something as primal as eating can be. <laughs> Why do we make isn't, it so hard? It's, this is so <laughs> complex because yeah. your function is really pretty different than mine. I, you know, cause I think that, I think that that is what goes awry in a lot of, um, women's life for sure is that we're looking for this positive feedback that affirms that we're valued. Yeah. And so when we look to the world to mm -hmm. say, how do I find out that I'm valued? Yeah. That's going to be by being pretty. Okay. Mm -hmm. What does pretty mean? Okay. Mm -hmm. Pretty means thin. Yeah. And I'm, that's not to say that I'm exempt from that. I'm, that's not what mm -hmm. I'm suggesting, but my issues with food were more about, I feel anxious and mm -hmm. I'm using it as a comfort. It's a coping mechanism. It's a, it's you. coping. Mm -hmm. And so when I can get really, um, when I get really focused on this is why I'm lingering by the pan of brownies. Yeah. No. 
Mm-hmm. I need to go. The Lord is gently nudging me. He's so gentle. He is gently inviting me to awaken to that. I'm using food as a crutch right now mm-hmm. to escape. Mm-hmm. And he is gently leading me into a circle of new friends to extend myself, Mm -hmm. to pour myself out. And, you know, let Jesus be the one to comfort me and and to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say it all the time in yoga. Mm -hmm. If you are not taking yourself to this furthest edge, if you're just sitting in a pose comfortably, there are no changes being made. And so he is inviting me to growth. When at a party, I don't go to the bathroom mm-hmm. to hide out, or I don't just hang out by the queso. I'm invited to community. I'm right. invited to interact with another. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I'm curious how you would answer this. Is there ever a time that you remember liking your body? Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time that you have felt satisfied? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I was probably the fittest I've ever been um, when I was, well, I say fit. Fit from the outside. Mm-hmm. Healthy on the inside is a totally different story. Amen. Um, so before I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, Marin, who's two and a half, um, in 20, uh, 2014, I was in that exercise obsession phase. Um, very much obsessed. And from the outside, I I was I don't want to say thin, but I was fit, and mm-hmm. I I could exercise with the best of anyone. Um, I felt strong. I was fast. Cardio was at my peak, um, but I just I wasn't healthy on the inside. There was a lot of hormonal things going on, mm. um, which is a whole different can of worms for another day um, leading up to our pregnancy, but the time when I liked my body the most is when I was pregnant with Marin, and I'm probably going to get emotional. Here. I was just going to say, but, I think that, yeah. um, that pregnancy mm-hmm. and, and the, the time leading up to that pregnancy, trying to get pregnant, I mean, God was pulling off layers. There, I mean, it's like an onion. Like he was pulling off layers of the onion in my life, like getting me to wake up and see the beauty that is this body that he created. Mm-hmm. Um, not for the purpose of just existing to look a certain way, um, but to do hard things mm. and to do beautiful things, um, really for him. Mm. And, and through the pregnancy, there were so many things, um, that he had me see that I needed to repent for in my life that were strongholds. Um, and, and, and the freedom that I talk about, you know, throughout this story is the freedom came during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. that pregnancy. And so the more I felt relieved and unburdened, the more I fell in love with this body that I have. And, um, you know, I had Marin and, um, I did it without an epidural and, that was the first time, and I had done, you know, been through CrossFit, been through Insanity multiple times. I've been through hard things, but an unmedicated birth <laughs> took it to, like, <laughs> level 5 billion. And I came out of that experiencing, like, well, that, you know, and it's not to brag. I'm not one of those moms who's like, well, I did it unmedicated. How about you? It's, I did something hard, mm-hmm. and thank you, God. I don't know and I say this, I say this with so much love in my heart. I don't know how I would have gotten through that experience without Jesus. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And and afterwards, you know, going back to working out, going back to losing baby weight, um, I did it slowly, mm-hmm. which is not like me. Mm-hmm. I want the quick fix. I mm-hmm. did it healthfully and mindfully. Mm-hmm. And... I would venture, I was in the best shape of my life after I had Marin and I felt happy with my body. Mm-hmm. I felt healthy and you know why? It's because I felt balance for the mm-hmm. first time. I found what balance meant mm-hmm. um, when it came to food, when mm-hmm. it came to what does healthy exercise look like and I felt balance and I didn't feel pulled by the triggers in my life for the first time. So pregnancy, yeah, I'd say, is where I can really pinpoint cool. 
I agree. That was my answer too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember walking alongside a building and seeing a silhouette of myself, you know, just tiny pregnant for the first time. And I remember feeling so important. Um, and so isn't that just it, you know, that, that that's when, you know, we can remember being satisfied with our bodies is when we felt important. And so think about that from the other way too. It's like, well, what the world says is beautiful makes me feel important. It's all kind of serving the same function, one just in a healthy way and one in an unhealthy way. For me also, in addition to being pregnant, it was, I mean, how amazing is that? We are life givers. I know. It's <laughs> so cool. Um, but for me, it's also been, um, when I'm the busiest or when yeah. I'm like, um, creating. Yeah. So if I, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's something to, you know, strolling the pantry and, and raiding the fridge that in a lot of, a lot of times is due to um, restlessness yeah. or boredom. boredom. Mm -hmm. And when I am busy, um, I think that like addiction in general, because mm -hmm. I didn't understand my food addiction until I was having a conversation with someone about alcoholism and they mm -hmm. were um, explaining that if somebody left, you know, four or five drinks on the table and everyone got up to leave, they would want to know this person who, you know, kind of struggles with alcohol. They would want to know, Who's going to drink? Who's right. going to finish those? Mm -hmm. It makes them anxious. Yeah. And I did not understand my issues around food as an addiction until that person said that because I would feel the exact same way about cheesecake. Mm -hmm. If there were five, if there was an uneaten piece of cheesecake mm -hmm. and people were getting up to leave it, I would want to know who's going to account for that. Right. Where's it going? Mm -hmm. It needs a home. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, and so I think that when it comes to addiction, so I named it as addiction, number one, mm -hmm. but then number two, what's addiction? I think that anytime someone is struggling with addiction, it's, I want to feel different. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of under, I just want to feel different. Yeah. And so even, you know, when we were talking about kind of feeling uh, like the world is having its way with us mm -hmm. as far as what's beautiful right. or whatever, all I know is this doesn't feel right. I want to feel different. This is yeah. what I these are the ways that I know to try to help mm -hmm. that. But, um, anyways, as far as wanting to feel different, if, when I am creating, when I am busy, I don't want to feel different. Yeah. And so I'm not, you know, rating, right. I'm not, You're you not know, scanning for mm -hmm. food. Yeah. So that's been, that's been really transformative for me. Um, what's your advice for somebody that is thick in the middle of this? Mm -hmm whether it's exercise and or food? I think the first thing would be is just to ask the Lord to reveal to you, are my behaviors healthy? Where, show me, Lord, where where do I need to rely on you more um, inst instead of relying on the food more or mm -hmm. the exercise? And are they accounting for something else that goes deep inside? Mm -hmm. Like, reveal to me those things that I need to, um, kind of deal with or repent yeah. for, yeah. or, you know, cause I think that's where freedom starts mm -hmm. is, is asking him to show you, yeah. okay, what, what, what am I doing this for? Um, and then just to, um, find a I, balance. I think that's, I think that's good. Um, for, because this is how my story went, mm -hmm. I needed to tackle the easiest thing first. Mm -hmm. So the easiest thing for me was the exercise portion. Right. And then I could kind of tap into these more um, deeper seated issues. Right. So maybe it's, maybe it's yeah. kind of one thing at a time right. too, mm -hmm. you know? And so if it's, Absolutely. if you like to cook and you're crafty in yeah. the kitchen, start with food yes. and see what it leads to. You yes. know, I feel like it can be overwhelming to be like, let's yes. tackle this food exercise. Thing. Exactly. And so you were right. Cause so, and that just, that's, that speaks to my personality. Cause I, I am like, well, let's, Let's do, you know, when it comes to me, I'm like, let's deal with the hard stuff first. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to get through this. So mm -hmm. I, cause I'm, that's just how I'm wired anyway. Mm -hmm. Like deep, mm -hmm. it, you know, let's just do the deep issues first, mm -hmm. but you're right. And I think it's all about making better choices, not making the perfect choices right. um, and finding that perfection with step one. I think yeah. it's just, you know, identify, surround yourself with people. First of all, surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up mm -hmm. in, in this struggle mm -hmm. and, um, and love you through it, but also can provide wisdom to mm -hmm. you because you're not alone. Realize mm -hmm. you're not alone. Um, you know, and while 
you know, the stories that we've shared today, they're not unique. Everyone has their cup, has their mm-hmm. struggle. Um, maybe some in some shape or form related to this issue here, but um, surround yourself with people who are going to lift you higher and to teach you how to make better choices, whether it's loving yourself mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. how to do that, um, eating Mm-hmm. better choices, working out in maybe a different way that serves you. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're doing all these things in spite of something, that's not serving you right. or serving him. Right. Um, I, yeah, I think a partner is good. And, you know, not everybody can afford a gym membership. Right. Not everybody can eat organically. Mm-hmm. But everybody's got a neighbor yep. that you can go on a walk with, yeah. you know, that you can share meals mm-hmm. with. Um so I think, I think a partner is really, really good advice. Um, one thing for me that's been, I I feel like a lot of times, you know, we're told to take our thoughts captive and that's what was Mm -hmm. my, the debilitating thing was my thoughts. It was like, I thought about this all All the the time. time. And so we're told, you know, take our thoughts captive. And I think for a long time, what I let that mean to me was push them away. Yeah. Don't allow the thought take it captive, wire, you know, like chain it up and kick it to the curb for what's been more helpful to me is to treat it like an unwelcome guest maybe and be like, and here's this thought. Yeah. I'm going to acknowledge it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it sit here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to fully understand it. I don't like it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to try to fully understand it because then maybe I can communicate a little better with it to say you have to leave now, you know, and if I, if I understand that dysfunction and if I understand my God, Mm -hmm. then maybe then I can, you know, ask it to leave. I can call it a liar or, or whatever. And I can believe that what my God says is true about me and I can kick this thing. Absolutely. If I allow it. Absolutely. So there's a calmness involved, Mm -hmm. don't you think? I do. And you know what? The enemy is so smart. And knowing of how to find a way in and what what triggers us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and perpetuates those thoughts. And I think you were exactly right. And it, it's telling, like, okay, you know, in the name of Jesus, you have to leave. Like, yeah. these thoughts have to leave. But, yes, acknowledge it. Realize that they're there. Um, but ask them to depart because, I mean, that's those thoughts aren't from God. Right. You know, right. those ang- the anxiety, that's mm-hmm. not from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting to me just what a deeply psychological slash spiritual matter this is, but isn't also chocolate just good. It's really good. It's, it's, it's really good. (laughs) I was going to say it's a problem, but, um, it's a problem. Um, but you know, it is slow and steady change. I think that, you know, it's taken me years and you years. This isn't something that you wake up and are cured you know, the next day. Right. But when you, when you think about it from that way, I mean, the damage took years too. Yeah. You know, we lied to ourselves yes. for a really for long a time. time. So it's going to take a long time to, to get better too. But I think talking it out like this, that's where healing comes. And also testimony, you know, mm-hmm. this is a part of our testimony in, in others who are struggling. Like this is, this is how God gets the glory. And this is how we squash the enemy is by saying, no, I'm going to take all of this stuff, the bad stuff that, you know, has been years of dealing with and years of just negative thinking. Um, but I'm going to use it for good. Mm-hmm. And, and that really, to me, like socks it to him pretty That's right. good. And we, I mean, we know victory. Like we already know what the end is. We already know victories in the end. And I think this is just part of the story is how we're going to be a part of that. And we get to be a part and of it. it you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it so much. It's how, you know, I, I can picture God, you know, like, yeah, you thought you had her then mm-hmm. watch this y'all. I know, I know, and I see like in heaven, like all of our people, like ah, like, I don't know, just cheering us on. Our great and, cloud of witnesses, yes. And that's where we see how strong we are, you know, not just inside of our workouts or willpower, whatever mm. that means to you when it comes yes. to food, but um, you know, it's just healing from the inside out. That's right. Yes, from the inside out, inside of the cup first, right. outside yeah. because. Outside because. I love it. Thanks for um, being one of my witnesses, and thanks for allowing me to be one of yours. Absolutely. I love you, sister. I love you, too.
And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of Center Saint Sister is brought to you by Empower Fitness. Empower Fitness is a functional fitness gym that teaches people how to move properly and encourages, inspires, and motivates its members to reach any goal they set their minds to. Check out their website at www.empowerfitness.org for more information. And Nightingale Pest Solutions, providing effective, ecologically conscientious strategies that promote healthful and pleasant pest-free environments for homeowners and businesses across the Brazos Valley. Nightingale Pest Solutions, exemplary service, extraordinary care. And Signs Cleaning. Signs Cleaning, quality commercial cleaning that suits your company's budget. Call 979-260-3160 for a complimentary bid. Signs Cleaning. We don't cut corners, we clean them. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers. But that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hey, Beef. Hey, Beef. So, this is timely because I am at your house. And you just popped some vegetables <laughs> and spices and cheese and deliciousness into a little pouch of foil like it was nothing. And then a couple of minutes later, served me the most delicious meal. You are such a good cook. Thank you. And you have You're been... You're such a good person to cook for. Uh, it's because I love food. <laughs> um, but you have been a vegetarian way before being a vegetarian was cool. Do you think that that has helped you in the kitchen, like made you more creative? Uh, well, so I was 13 when I became a vegetarian, and my mom was like, we don't get it. We're eating normal food. Good luck to you. I like, this totally is your choice. <laughs> and so I'm sure that did. I mean, I honestly don't really remember how it all evolved, but um, I definitely was on my own um, to some extent then. And then mm-hmm. I just love it. Like, it's relaxing to me mm-hmm. to cook. I like um, I love to create. being in your house for that reason. So nice. So nice. Love it. Um, you've kind of gotten a lot of um, slack, though, for, you know, people thinking that you eat really weird things because mm-hmm. I love food. I'm always open, but right. has that been a challenge? Um, I mean, I don't think I really care because <laughs> my whole thing is like, so I cook meat, I touch meat, my family eats meat. Mm-hmm. So, and I always yeah, say really like, I don't care what you eat. You shouldn't care what I eat. Um, <laughs> Amen. You do you. Right. And I'll do my kale and tofu. Um, there's definitely nothing weirder in my house, though, than the things that we ate in Japan. Do you recall? Oh, my gosh. Okay. we So we would travel, and you would be staying in these hotels, so you're kind of at their mercy when it comes to breakfast or whatever, you know? And so they would have these little tiny bowls. There, you, there would be 15 mm. bowls per person, and in one bowl, Mystery there's bowls. Yeah, slimy silver. This is mushy pink. This one is lumpy green. This one is clear bubbles. I mean, it was bizarre, bizarre. And so we would just stare at our food and smile and nod. And then we, we this one particular ski trip, we kind of had a closer. Like he would just, his name was Kevin. Kevin, are you listening? And he would <laughs> he would go around and clean up after all oh. of us. Oh my gosh. He was so violently ill on the train oh, back. <laughs> because in one bowl, there'd be a raw egg. Mm-mm. Like for real, a raw egg. So he would like down all of our, oh, it was so bad. All right. Okay, so... Okay, talk about me being a weird eater. You have been a fan of booger pudding <laughs> since oh my gosh. we were very small, no. and it's so wrong. Okay, tapioca... You can eat it all day, every day. Tapioca is totally normal. The consistency is not right. <laughs> oh, whatever. Well, your husband seems to agree with me, which oh has gosh. been pretty validating. Oh my gosh, my husband and my kids love to go to your house and eat everything... I don't even know, like creamy puddings. My kids love um, every kind of cereal at your house. It's like a, um, I don't even know. It's not like a candy store because. I know, it's a total free-for-all. They love it. Speaking of cereal at your house, so they love Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms at Beefy's house um, because we don't usually have it here. But the other day, they ran full throttle down the grocery store aisle to bring me 
a new cereal. I do not know if the listeners know this, but Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms have had a baby, and there are now uh-uh. Fruit Loops with marshmallows in now it. Now that just crosses it the line. may or may not be in my pantry right now. It's sort of delicious. Uh, of course it is. I'm going to bring it to your kids. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us actually to our question, which is this. How do you get kids to be more adventurous eaters? Okay, whoever asked this question, sing it, sister. Oh my gosh. Okay, first thought is you don't every day. Okay, like this cannot be our everyday battle because it's not realistic and kids can be jerks and it's not worth it every single meal. Yeah. But I did I like recently that. learn about the no thank you bite um, okay. from a relative. And so rather than saying you just have to have one bite, you might like it, you say you have to have a no thank you bite, and then you can say no thank you and not have any more. That is a nice little manipulation of the mind. Somehow the psychology of this is it could have the intended effect of them actually liking it eating more. But the fact that they know that they just have to have this and then they're done has been a game changer around my dinner table. There's a little bit of reverse psychology involved in there. I like it. All right. Yeah. Good. Um, here's the thing that I run into with the, I mean, whoever asked this and I are on the same page because I've always had these little tiny 2% baby, 2% are babies. And so when they won't eat and when they're, you know, when the doctor stamps failure to thrive on the, you know, whatever, I know it's terrible. It's terrible. And so when the only thing that they'll eat is goldfish, I'm like, yes, you can have more goldfish. All day long. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes things challenging. Um, I think a lot of it is personality driven too. You know, one of our kids is just more adventurous by nature in every regard, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I would say too, like something that works sometimes at our house is um, at a certain time, the kitchen is closed Mm. and I've become my mother. A, this is not a cafeteria and B, the kitchen closes, Mm. but there's like a handful of things that you can always eat. Hmm. And so that could be like a weird thing maybe that you want them to try. So Ooh, if they're cool. really hungry, maybe right. it's, you know. So the kitchen's closed, but you can have some like tapioca. Like some sort of... <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I might prefer a marshmallow fruit loop. <laughs> All right. Good talk. Um, how's that for an answer, not answer? I think we did pretty good on that one, too. Nailed it. Bye, Beef. Bye, Beef. Lubelle is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubelle win the internet day after day. March 16th, 2016. My intimate early morning riser club is filled with neighbors and Memorial Park regulars who don't even know that the simple fact they're out and about at 4.15 in the morning earn them an exclusive membership. Depending on the route of my morning joddle, that's jog plus waddle, I see this most stellar mix of Houstonians who grab the day with enthusiasm while others still sleep. And no one, no one beats Nora and Edmund. Nora and Edmund are a couple in their late 80s who are out and about before the sun comes up in either old school windbreakers or cow sweatshirts for their daily exercise that is unlike any other. Edmund is blind and Nora pushes him in a wheelchair for exactly one hour so she can get her power walk in while he lifts a three pound weight the whole time with both hands. It is a sight to behold and a smile that stays with you all day. This morning, I literally let out a small gasp when I saw them rolling around the corner. Edmund was pushing Nora. Nora twisted her ankle earlier this week and could not walk. But the morning exercise had to continue, and their solution was pretty obvious to them. Edmund would push while Nora gave directions and lifted the weight. They thought my disbelief and awe came from the March humidity, not their stellar and extraordinary way of living. As I said my goodbye, I heard Nora said, you're going to take a ride soon. Can you smell the gardenia? And Edmund answered, I know this route by heart. And yes, Easter is here. 
sneaky St. Patrick's Day gods. You're a day late, but darn. What a reminder that I'm the luckiest girl in the world to have my squad and Nora and Edmund are in it. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learned that they are just like me and I am just like them. When I think about my body, I immediately think about the physical parts. I could talk about how I kind of like my round shape. Or I could talk about how everyone seems to think I've been overweight my whole life. But these aren't the things I want to spend much time on. They make me feel tired, but not too tired to go deeper. My body is a sacred vessel. I know that now. But it has taken years of abuse and neglect for me to come to this conclusion. I'm hardly perfect. I still have trouble believing that God loves me enough to accept me as I am. I've had two abortions. I've done a stupid amount of drugs. You name it. I've been physically abused. I've been emotionally abused. I've neglected my health. Over the years, I've done extreme damage to my physical body. But even more so, I've neglected the nourishment my soul needs. But God, the two most powerful words in the Bible, but God, God has answered my prayers. He has done for me with his body what I could not do for myself. I'm not proud of my past, but each wound on his body represents my shame. God gave his only son to carry my past for me, to die on a cross for it. I still struggle every day in this body of mine, and carry burdens is still hard on me. Forgiving myself seems impossible some days, but guilt and shame are no longer mine to contend with. I have a second chance, and one after that too. Every morning, this body and I rise with new mercies. So I'm going to take this chance today to care for my mind and my body and my soul, my own little trinity, and be one body with my Lord. It has taken prison for me to see clearly past my round shape, past how anyone else thinks I should look. I am one body. I am His, and He is mine. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved Dear God, we are dearly loved by you, just as we are. You know us intimately and pursue us with passion, regardless of how well we are getting by in this world. Your love for us is not contingent upon how well we do or do not fit in. It is not contingent upon how expertly we meet others' expectations of us or even our own expectations that we might have for ourselves. God, please help us to put aside any unkind or unhelpful or harsh criticisms of ourselves. Remind us that we are a creation of yours, a creation that you have called good. Help us to re-wallpaper our minds with your words and not the world's. Increase our desire, God, to know what you think. Lessen our desire to know what the world thinks. 
Help us to see ourselves through your eyes and not the world's. And build our faith to lean on you and not the world. Change our hearts to value what you have called beautiful and not what the world has called beautiful. We ask these things boldly, Lord, in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son. And grace will